Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the... Yes, what? I said weekly. Yeah, no, that's good. But it good. still trips me up. Yeah. <laughs> the news cycle, people that make it, occasionally ourselves, so I'm Camille Foster. Weekly now? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. You miss like five of them, but welcome back, Matt yeah, Welch. Um, I'm Camille Foster. I do stuff at Freethink. I am joined by a remarkable cast of characters. Matt Welch is in the building. He is back. He is fully recovered. Thanks mostly to my mother's healing stones, which <laughs> totally I, true, did, I did rub together in the studio <laughs> and you miraculously recovered from it was the, next the day. Hiv, I which totally is great. I totally believe it. <laughs> Dear God. Modern medicine failed me. Dear God. Your mother's voodoo magic. We call it Obia in Jamaica. Um, welcome back, Matt Welch of okay. Reason Magazine, Thank my you. very good friend, Michael Moynihan, Vice News, is also here. The uh, the guy behind the impeachment show. He's on that impeachment show. I'm not behind show. it. I'm on Can it. Can we call it that <laughs> impeachment show? Why are you wearing like... I just put glasses on. Gosh, I, you look very smart. I just thought it would look, I'd look smarter. Yeah. Like these Doris on. Kearns Goodwin glasses. What's oh, wrong with you? Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank yes. you. Do you know where I got them? From Doris Kearns <laughs> whom I know and grew up next to. Down the street oh from. That's true, by the way. I grew up down the street from her. You know that, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. We're also joined by our very good friend, Anthony Fisher, who's the politics editor over at Insider. What the oh, just, I'm take a picture. Right, I'll, take, I'll take a picture. Would you put it on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right, let me see if I put him on. I'm getting straight enough for a photo, Camille. Yeah, All right. That. We can talk while you take it. No, it's um, Yeah, so we were, we were just talking. Talking about uh, Biggie and Tupac, um, I think we were we were talking about who has actually killed him. It sounds like no one has done any groundbreaking reporting on this in a while. You're talking about the I'm slow burn. This episode, table. the new apparently uh, the new slow burn is is covering this, which I only just discovered today. But Anthony Fisher, who's listened to the first three episodes, tells me that there's there's no new information here. Yeah, I conclude that we know who killed Tupac. We don't really know who killed Biggie. There's no grand conspiracy there. Well, there is. I mean, we had to silence a black voice because he was going to awaken the sleeping giant, which is black America, and tell them who they really were so that they could fight against the white power. It's a structure. Mean, you can, that's one narrative, but then the yeah. other narrative. <laughs> it's one way of thinking about it. Is yeah. the endemic corruption of the LAPD and their mm-hmm. gang units in right. the late 90s. Which is why they had to whack Biggie and Tupac. Because so you well, see, you see a direct cool. line from the Rampart scandal to to uh, Big Into. There Black. is mm. a direct line between right. the Rampart scandal and uh, wait, wait. I'm Doc. I'm kidding. Are you being serious? I'm de- being deadly serious. Wow. The, the reporting at the time uh, in LA Weekly and other places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <some of this. laughs> yeah, in uns.org. <laughs> Please keep going, Matt Welch. Please keep going. This is the this is huge it, for us. The thing about the whole put that microphone <laughs> down in the hole. with him. Yeah. Right, it's the numbers. Yeah. You're not saying nothing happened. You're just saying how many ovens were there. You're uh, saying there were very no. few. Can I point out, by the way, that we had Barry Weiss on the show last week? <laughs> and I'm going to text Barry right now and say, it Matt took, has already made all jokes. All right, all right. But no, seriously, I mean, it was some gang gang shit that yeah, got probably. Tupac killed. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know about Biggie's situation. That's, that's different. There were it's a couple overlapping characters who were uh, strangely... Connected Suspicious. to the Biggie, the Biggie shooting between Ramparts and Biggie. Yeah, mm. do you know what's really funny about um, canceling people that got shot in gang-related shootings? 
Canceling? I li- canceling them. Did, but hold on, Matt. Just right. don't get ahead of me. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. I got some I listen, pensive words. Yeah, I know. It's, but the problem is that the Lyme disease is still in your head. Um, <laughs> I, I listened to the first episode, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, people still, like, you know, it's, you can't, the Cosby show is not on TV anymore, and, like, all this stuff's been erased. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I totally forgot that Tupac went to jail for rape. For raping a woman in a hotel room. He went to prison for it. Allegedly. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, you know who didn't say allegedly? (laughs) The court said, you know what? Time to go to jail. And I'm like, wow, that, no one really cares about that, do they? I guess the same thing happens a lot. Like, I don't know. I mean, he, the other side of this, he was, he was uh, not, uh, he was acquitted, but Snoop, like, he's in like kids' movies. Yeah. I saw a kids movie with my daughter went to the, and Snoop was in it. He was like the bat in um, Adam's family movie. Didn't he, wasn't he shooting people and there was an attempt had a porn? He, porn? Was, he was in the car. Oh, well, yeah. I, you know, then, I've never then, been in a I mean, car. If I got so in trouble for everything that other people who were <laughs> after, in cars with me did. After Snoop became successful and like had like come through on the other side of yeah. the criminal charges, but he was huge and all this kind of stuff. He, he then said, I'm going to become a pimp. And he very, very, and he started a porn company. Started a porn company, yeah. became a pimp, and also became a really, really good uh, 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 PB football uh, coach. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Like super good. Because yeah. he's from where you're from. He's yeah, from Long he's Beach. From the LBC, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Is that the same neighborhood? <laughs> uh, yes. He went to Jordan High School. I went to the closest uh, junior high school and high school uh, to Jordan there. And there was a time that I thought that maybe he had gone to my junior high. But I don't remember any Calvin Brodus, which is his name there. But I remember dudes like him Mm -hmm. um, who were dudes like him. Yes. By Mm -hmm. which you mean skinny guys with (laughs) stone (laughs) and were much smaller than the big dudes who you were supposed to be afraid of. And yet they had this menace about them. They would say these menace, these incomprehensible (laughs) things. Listen, (laughs) I've come out the other side of lupus. So I'm, you do have no fear anymore. I can tell. It's it's all breakthroughs. Is that what like David Duke was like a a liberal guy (laughs) and then he had lupus or something? What the fuck? Like really? Lupus makes you oh like, god wait race. until you get the treasure trove of emails that i have from matt welch oh. i'm giving them all to hate watch tonight yeah, um, yeah i literally just te- i just texted mark potok <laughs> <laughs> you know my real my real question after all of that matt yeah. is can you crip walk no no but you know what crip walking is. no i don't, I don't. oh jeez, you're not really from long beach but you're feeling better matt I'm right? feeling so much better, but although I, I have a... You taking a, some pills? No. Really? They never knew what it was. Imagine... Oh, you're yeah. not sick. Wow. Don't, what, don't. Don't. Interesting. You're giving me that look. <laughs> Interesting. At least two doctors said, maybe you should see a psychiatrist. Yeah. It was like that. So really? you're giving me that look, too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all in your head. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they, they couldn't find anything? Uh-uh. Yeah. They tested me for so many... They tested me for your diseases, Moynihan. What? Uh, d- diabetes, uh, alcoholism, oh. assholeism. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like a, the, wow, and you came up negative. Weirdly, my liver looks good. That's They said that? Yeah, that's yeah. like the only thing. My liver hurts. You've been in like Baltimore. Right, it's now it's like, part of my job yeah. is to drink once a week, and that's which gonna, I do anyway. Please tell me that's going to keep going because I mean. It is going to keep going. I don't that's wanna, the thing. I don't want to derail this episode, but uh-huh. I just want to go out there because some a-holes are out there on on the Twitter machine and, and elsewhere just snippily saying, well, you know, 
uh, I I have a friend who got fired once, and when I see this, I just don't I just don't know. Anymore. Yeah, that was some. There was some guy from the L.A. Times who said he said because I did this piece on in Bay Ridge of drinking drinking with people out there, and he said like you know anytime somebody gets fired in journalism, I'm gonna watch the watch this and shake my head, and I'm like. I'm not really taking anyone's job at the moment and I never have been. It's like what, what happens to me does not affect anybody else in journalism. And there and was never some has. other joyless harpy scold. Uh, and that's a gender neutral harpy. Um, <laughs> uh, really in trouble. Uh, <laughs> intended as such. Look, I'm coming back and, 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 and black, but uh, uh, that was like, Oh, you know, the thing is Bay Ridge is much more demographically. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That. So here's the thing about that. <laughs> Do you know what I was doing? I was looking for fucking Trump support. You idiots. <laughs> the thing is, is like I could walk. I live in a Hasidic neighborhood, so I can find a Trump supporter pretty quickly. But if I'm like a non-Hasidic, if I'm trying to find a Trump supporter where I live, I would it would take me a couple of weeks. I mean, because no one would admit it. It would it'd be like a long time. I went to Bay Ridge and I went into a bar. This is true. The first guy I saw had a golf shirt on that it appeared to be homemade that said Trump 2020 on it. <laughs> yeah, he refused to be interviewed, but um like yeah, well, did you know, he call you fake news? It's it's uh, yeah, he called me. I told you about that, right? He called me. He called me fake news. He was standing. He was teetering by the jukebox. Rand Paul, and he was like, "Yeah, no, he didn't have a sweater vest on." He was fucking. But he was like, the guy was. Yeah, was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to talk to you. Fake news. And I'm like, oh, okay. But like, I, I was trying to like cajole him. It just didn't work. But um, oh, but yeah, there was a the thing. It was like it used to be red, and now it's just like and like, hey man, that's a cop bar. We know it's and yeah, I know. That's why I went to the cop bar because I wanted to talk to former cops because they liked. Giuliani in the past. They don't like him so much now. And I had one guy actually, we didn't use this bit, but I said, uh, I said about what happened to Rudy kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Rudy went bad. Um, you know, he went bad is when he started going after the mob. And I was like, wait, that was the bad part. He's like, yeah, some of those guys were good friends of mine. I swear to God. And he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I know who killed Paul Castellano. And literally on camera. That's not like I, Frankie Tamborelli. It's always those people. Really. It's just like guineas. Uh, but it was funny. I got uh, somebody said also, I was like, there's a big Arab population there. Why didn't you talk to them? I was like, because I'm drinking. Number one. Or they said a Muslim population. I was like, mm, drinking. Number one. And number two, I'm literally looking for Trump's. I'm not trying to be representative and also people it's not journalism I go what is wrong with people I mean however it's a no, joke that's that's where you're wrong morning why it is journalism amen in this sense right you're like talking to people and it turns out one of the punchlines in both of them now and you've done this uh, in Bay Ridge uh, which is like cop Brooklyn deep red Trump in a little sliver of otherwise you know massively blue Brooklyn and he went to uh, Baltimore. I don't know what neighborhood you're in, Baltimore. Uh, you don't remember Fells, either. <laughs> Fells Point. Oh, the, Fells Point's great. Yeah, it's like a nice neighborhood, but it was it's like, like a port it, neighborhood. It, it, and the thing is, is that people, you know, say like, "Oh, why didn't you go to this neighborhood and that neighborhood?" It's it, honestly, it's about, it's about what was that? Um, it was, it's about access because it's really hard. People don't realize how hard it is to make these things. And they're like, "Why didn't you talk to this person? This person?" It's like you know, we did two nights in Bay Ridge and talked to eight people. Every person we talked to was in that piece because most people wouldn't talk. They didn't want to talk. They didn't want to talk on camera. And the rest of some people were pretty, pretty eager to. But when you go to places, it's hard. You can't just go in with cameras. It's like a long negotiation to like, you have to call them, you have to talk to them. And it's just, it's a really a difficult, 
in, in Baltimore, it was really upsetting because there was one, one place that let us uh, film, but there was no one in there. And it was a Grand Marnier bar. Oh. It's all, it's serious. It's a Grand Marnier bar. That, and like, Bell's Point. Uh, uh, I think so. Yeah, I wow. think that's where it was. Um, it was like One Eyed Jacks or something. But the bartender was like the coolest dude ever. He was like a super nice guy and uh, um, had lived in like Germany or something and had come back to work at the Grand Marnier bar in Baltimore. It's just full of weird characters. But, but yeah, no, it's a tough thing. And so people are like, why don't you get this person and that person? And it's just like, you, you could go out and shoot for a long time and get nothing. Nobody. But here's here's the reason why it's it's journalism and actually refreshing to watch, and I hope you keep doing it, and I love it, is that you're talking to human beings, and the human beings are not uh, cooperating uh, in the way that we otherwise normally herd people yeah. into their political beliefs and in their personal uh, profiles. The mm-hmm. best – punchlines are always you discovering that bro is a Michelle Obama fan. <laughs> that guy was my favorite person. He was the coolest guy. And it's so funny because I think people get the wrong impression that you're like making fun of them or something like that. No, not like I literally every person that we've had on camera, I loved hanging out with. They're all so cool and Which super nice. Comes off to at least. But the guy, the guy, the guy was insane and so funny and like just pretty juiced. But, but he, at one time he's like, he's like, I can't be president. And I was like, why not? He's like, I got all these guns and roses tattoos. And I'm like, I don't know if that's disqualifying. <laughs> and then he showed me he had a Duff McKagan tattoo on his arm. And it was Duff McKagan had recently signed his arm with the Sharpie and he had it tattooed over. And it was just oh like, my it was God. great. But the guy was like, literally he was like, he's like, I, he's like, you read Michelle Obama's book. And he's like, yeah, I loved it. And when he had, and he was like, Drunk and I was drunk too. By the way, that's also people misunderstand. Like, oh, there's drunk people. I'm like, no, no, I'm drunk too. <laughs> like the last shot. And they, they don't know how drunk you are because you don't slur. I do not slur when I'm drunk. Yeah, but yeah. The, but well, there's a couple times in that Baltimore <laughs> moment. I'm, I'm just the, it's it got it gets a bit pretty hairy at the end because the problem is is everywhere you go, people want to give you shots. If they let you in and they're cool with you and they know that like what you're doing, they want to get your shots. And so you can't say no because that's not very hospitable and they don't, you know, you want people to like you. Also last name Moynihan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say no because I'm a reckless alcoholic. <laughs> and then they come up and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, sure. And then the, the guy gave me two shots last time. That's the last thing I'll say about him because one camera guy who I hadn't worked with, who was like a local guy was amazing and I wish we had used this is that I was I was so out of my mind and I was cajoling this guy hey, come on come on and there's two cameras and the other camera guy's shooting him and he's doing shots while he's shooting oh my god <laughs> and I was like yeah maybe get him fired because he's freelance or something but but the whole crew was great everybody was great had a good time so but I want to I want before I, just to end it okay I just want to stick up for that as uh, an act of journalism in the modern time that we live in um, let's not like over exaggerate the importance of it all, but it's very fun to watch. And precisely because, my God, what should one do in the face of four years after Donald Trump like blew up our brains? But so did Bernie Sanders. So did mm-hmm. a lot of things. Like yeah. things got weird. Assumptions got haywired. If you're working in political journalism and and talking about how things should be, and you weren't rethinking your assumptions, and part of that uh, like fundamental task is. Why don't you talk to the humans who are consuming politics? It's it's there's a great moment, which I'm like slightly embarrassed by that. I in, in this first one that we did in Brooklyn where the guy says um, he'll either vote for Trump or Buttigieg. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm like, no, it makes sense. Like I talked uh-huh. to him for a while and it's uh-huh. like it makes. Uh-huh. And the best thing is he said, I'm not virtue signaling. 
And I was like, wow, okay. Uh, and he's like, he's like, no, he's, I'm a conservative, but I like Buttigieg because he has this different energy uh-huh. and he's going to screw things. And, you know, of course you talk for a long time and you have to cut it down to something short, but I said, you know, like, he doesn't have a lot of governing experience, town, Indiana. And he's like, doesn't matter, I don't care. I just like, he's going to go in there and kind of screw things up. And he seems honest and seems like, you know, like kind of like what he liked about Trump. And I was like, huh. But it made a certain amount of sense when he drunkenly explained it to me. And like, I don't meet people like that. So it's really good to, to, to meet people and, that have these and there's a lot weird and views. I think that's more common than not, actually, the, where the people who are actually voting mm-hmm. um, have these kind of un you know, mappable viewpoints. Yeah. And that's, that's, you should want to know that more than yeah. not want to know that. That's it, why. It, it, we're in impeachmentville and I'll tell you what, every single person, every single person uh-huh. had the same opinion of impeachment. What, what was the opinion? Every single person was like, it's just, the, it's just the same old tribal stuff. Democrats are trying to get him because he's a Republican. They've been trying to get him from the beginning. And you know, it's just a sideshow. It's a sideshow. I don't care. See, they could see it for what it is. And everyone Which, says like drug prices, mm-hmm. like blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah, like yeah. the stuff that's important to people. Like they don't care about this yeah. stuff. And that was pretty consistent. When I say to see they see it for what it is, isn't to diminish the significance of the actual allegations. But of course, this is a bit of a partisan sideshow, or at least a partisan circus. Maybe sideshow isn't quite the right word. But I actually want to stay with this conversation you were having with this gentleman in the bar, Uh because I think we can come back to the impeachment stuff. Anyone listening to this podcast has almost certainly seen plenty of coverage of impeachment and has heard plenty of analysis. And I suspect we could talk about this. But and I'm, not a ton happening, to yeah, be honest. I'm, I'm, Just out in the open, it's happening now. Yeah, and I'm curious to, to discuss some of the stuff that's happening with the Democratic field and I guess just the field in general, because now we've got Bloomberg, who's entered the race. Um, <laughs> we've got Deval Patrick, who's entered the race and perhaps maybe exiting the race right away. I don't know. Gosh, that was a, a pretty low energy intro video i'm deval patrick and i <laughs> i just can't imagine we've got to build the, the, the worst economy from the middle out yes oh god okay. maybe I'm, the middle in i'm, I'm glad that we're a party of the, the woke in the waking up oh. you did he yeah. say that yeah, yeah he did yeah uh, it's i don't know why bad. we all went to eddie murphy white, white <laughs> scent there but yeah that yeah. wasn't white scent that was just my best deval patrick hey I'm, guys <laughs> But I'm curious. I'm from Massachusetts. (laughs) But I'm curious about Mayor Pete in particular because he's surging ahead in Iowa. I believe he's like in the lead in the polling in Iowa now. And he's second in the polling in New Hampshire at the moment. Um, And what I've seen with respect to those polls, when you actually look below the surface, he's actually like the second choice of a lot of people as well. Exactly. Um, And Biden is surprisingly not the second choice of many people. But Mayor Pete is particularly interesting to me because I've seen this thing where libertarians, Matt Welch, I'm looking at you, have oftentimes signaled their interest in this guy. Um, And I've seen this thing where some Republicans also signal their interest in this guy. And I don't know if it's this thing where all of our sort of political um, the political constellations are all out of whack and it's just not clear what people believe anymore or if it doesn't matter what Mayor Pete's policies are. Um, because while he is not as sort of stridently new left as, say, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders are, like the policy proposals that I've seen him trot out are still pretty decidedly progressive. Wait, what is it court, about him? Court packing and mandatory national service. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> here's what it's, it's also about. pretty big spending packages as well. I mean, or perhaps that's not a thing anymore that anyone <laughs> no, knows. So, nothing new there. <laughs> I'm not going to vote. Uh, Democrat. I live in New York. 
um, there's no point <laughs> in worrying about uh, the major party contest. Uh, hopefully, uh, libertarians will uh, nominate someone who isn't a serial killer, but whatever, that'd be fine. <laughs> Probably too. Uh, but or who has uh, one name? So Nightfall, <laughs> Bird Feather, Dude, I, I, I moderate, Lady Boy. I moderate those those debates. It's, uh-huh. it's fun. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Um, uh, no. So what I look for in the Democratic <clears throat> debate from my personal like rooting interest point of view is anyone who at any time um, gives any hint that there might be limitations on what the government should could uh, do. We don't have an endless supply of modern monetary theory money that we mm-hmm. can just spend on everything forever, mm-hmm. um, that there might be some. So Biden occasionally does that in his criticisms of Elizabeth Warren's and Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plans. Um, the Pete Buttigieg does that sometimes. Yeah, that's the, one of the things. Uh, he does yeah. that on Who's both pay for it? on pay Medicare, for it. Uh, yeah. but he also did it with uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke when Beto was trying to outwoke the entire universe um, to hide his uh, previous uh, sins of centrism um, on guns. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is saying, and I will, will likely disagree with where Pete Buttigieg is going on guns, mm-hmm. but he was saying, how about instead of like, confiscating everything, which even Bernie Sanders says is, is unconstitutional. We like go for the thing that we could pass now. Mm-hmm. Um, so any sense of limitation, he introduces that. He also does that <clears throat> while introducing a bunch of crap that you reference at the top, um, which I think people haven't been examining that much just simply because he's young. He kind of speaks well. Nice. He's good looking. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, Seems like a nice guy. Right. And speaks all the languages and, you know, served the country and did this and that and the other. So um, you need somebody who's going to be a semi centrist, comparative centrist in the field and who's it going to be? It's either going to be the guy who's, you know, the internal robot in his body is rebelling against him and his teeth and iron are mm-hmm. falling out and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You're waving <clears> your hands now. Nobody w- can't see that. Nobody wants, uh, you know, like wakes up in the morning excited about Joe Biden. They're just going to uh, vote for him because they think that he can beat Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you have Amy Klobuchar or you have Pete Buttigieg. There's not really a bad there, there's to, to I was pulled this up to Camille's point. I saw it. I read it very quickly. Uh, but former uh, fifth column guest Noah Rothman uh, had a piece uh, earlier this year, March of this year. And I'm going to show you Pete Buttigieg tortured libertarian. Hmm. And the argument is not so much that he's a tortured libertarian, is that he's not a libertarian. I In the piece, he says this basically. Mm-hmm. But he does often kind of faint towards those because he talks about, you know, he said something about, you know, the, it's not the government that can that makes us free. Freedom comes from other places, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And just like these these are the things like in a field like that. Look, I think of it, it, it in, you know, um, Labor Party politics in England. You know, there's a lot of people that desperately want some not Tony Blair like person, new labor of, of the mid 90s, but people that are of a more kind of conservative bent or sort of center, center right are desperate for, to have two parties that have people that won't destroy the country. And that's why they're desperately trying to get rid of uh, Jeremy Corbyn. And Jeremy Corbyn, of course, is somebody who's extremism is so pronounced that despite what the conservative party has done of not getting Brexit accomplished and failing in everything all the time, they still lead in polls, right? So we're approaching an election in England. And so the people want a, another party that actually is back weighing it back towards the center. And I think that's why so many people see that in Buttigieg. It's like hoping that this is one particular moment 
in Democratic Party politics that it's listing so far. I mean, I talked to Rashida Tlaib a couple of days ago, and and you're, I know you're favorite, and uh, um, I will say this for her: she's the only politician I've ever interviewed who is actually on time. And so oh. went down to the hearing and because it was in her office in the Hill and said, I'll be back at 10.30. And she was back at 10.30. So wow. full respect to her on that. Wow. Small victories. <laughs> but, um, you know, she said to me, you know, but, you know, people have been voting for progressives for a long time. Now we're just recognizing that's not true. This is, an, this is a particular moment. The idea that people have been voting for progressives of her kind of ilk is not, it's, this is not something that's happened uh, and, and now that it is happening, it is terrifying a lot of people on the left and the right, because it's like, oh, no, no, no you deal with your own stuff. And the Democratic Party will deal with ours when you have a, a party that is so screwed up because of Donald Trump. And we've talked about this a number of times is that you see the institutions in D.C. failing and falling is that, you know, you have all these dinners and gala dinners for free market. This we're going to honor, you know, this freedom, free market. And, and then a push comes to shove and nobody cares. And they all go work for the administration or defend it or like what a Heritage Foundation was, you know, very much a congressional Republican think tank, very much a, a Reaganaut think tank and is now a Trump think tank, which has nothing to do with those things. The Federalist Society tonight, I believe, had Ann Coulter speak. As at the at the dinner? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a debate with Eugene Volokh and she certainly lost. But, yeah. But, but she's so. probably funnier. But, uh, you know, she's <laughs> But that's the thing now is like this. The center is so screwed up that I see a lot of people seeing people like Pete Buttigieg as you say two or three things, you don't mean them. At least you're saying them because now is a race to do the billionaire two-step, right? The millionaires, billionaires. And it's the constant thing. It's like, you know, I remember making a joke when I was in Sweden that there was a president, a debate uh, when, you know, the prime minister debate and the conservative party, which is the most Swedish thing is that they're called the moderates. Hmm. <laughs> That's the name of the conservative party. Moderaterna. And the, it was Frederick Reinfeld and they were debating and it was these people saying, like, no, 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 I'm not going to cut taxes. No, no, I'm not going to cut taxes either. And it was like a race. It was like, no, no, it's the opposite in America. Everyone lies about how much they're going to cut taxes. They'll be, you know, read my lips sort of stuff. And we're listing a little back towards that. We're not back towards that, towards that in the sense that you can't, you don't have a, a Democrat on the stage who's saying, I'm going to cut your taxes, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's like, who's going to take this burden? And Elizabeth Warren won't say it. That's the closest you get. I mean, a lot of respect to Bernie for actually saying it. Yeah, you're going to pay more, but, you know, and then he tells you that all the great things you're going to get. Elizabeth Warren refuses to say that this is going to happen. And she walks around it and talks around it in such a specific way. But I can't imagine a Democrat saying, no, no, you're going to, we're going to have lower taxes on the middle class or something like that. It just I, doesn't exist anymore. I think it's also grading on the curve of how people have run in this race, um, specifically the now endangered species of the uh, former I don't want to really call them centrist, but for lack of a better word, we'll call them centrist. But people who've been elected officials and who have departed from orthodoxy, from the progressive uh, wing of the Democratic Party in their elected official career and yet have been sitting – have been hiding that uh, ever since and uh, and running as fast as they can to like – Let's you know give two trillion dollars to historically black uh, uh, colleges and universities, as Kamala Harris has done. So that group is Beta O'Rourke, who used to be a deficit hawk and a free trader, uh, and a bunch of other stuff besides. Pour, pour one out for him. <clears throat> pour one out for him. Not at all. He deserves his his ignominy. Uh, if is that the yes, you pronounce it, which yes. you don't. Um, it's good. Uh, Julian Castro, who was a you know he's a 
a bland kind of new Democrats, you know, semi-centrist who's now for reparations. You have uh, Kristen. Uh, <laughs> well, Jill- no, nobody isn't. Yeah. Yeah. When exactly. that question was asked, nobody was like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> no, 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 it makes total sense. Kristen Gillibrand uh, decided to become the biggest feminist anyone's ever seen in in their life. She used to be like a, a budget hawk and and uh, these types of things. Um so that entire group, if, if Cory Booker too, like, oh, I used to be in favor of charter schools. Shh, don't don't tell anybody. Where's so, Harold Ford? Uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> right? I mean, Deval Patrick is is coming in in that lane. But it's interesting that all four of those people who combined at some point held like twenty percent of the of the vote in polling, they've all now leaked down into nothingness. I mean, Julian Castro is not going to make the debate stage next time around. That's amazing, mm-hmm. right? Like Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, a bunch of randos have like gone way the hell ahead of of, of Julian Castro. Um, so this insincere tacking to the woke left. Um, makes people who are a little bit worried about that and a little bit worried and a lot of it worried about the Green New Deal and Medicare for all look for any sign of anyone who is not obviously pandering all the time in that direction. And Pete Buttigieg fits that bill. Occasionally, mm-hmm. he will turn around and say, Beta Rourke, you're full of crap or whatever. And and that's that plus military and Christian is enough to, to is, get a lot. Is, is there any polling on this? And I, I haven't seen it if there is, and I'm sure there is. But those those people that everyone talks about, you know, ad infinitum that voted for uh, Obama twice and then Trump and are probably disappointed, which is why the president has a 38 percent, 39 percent approval rating. You know, if they will lurch back to the Democratic Party, if that party party's candidate is somebody like Elizabeth Warren or I mean, it won't be Bernie Sanders, but somebody of that type, I mean, the Democratic Party should be worried about like they want to peel those people off and bring them back. And it might be a little scary because in the primary, you know, obviously both on the left and the right, it's the purity who can be more conservative, who can be more sort of liberal. But, you know, tacking back to the middle to try to get those people. I don't know if there's any polling out there. Well, at the, the, moment the problem is the, uh, the polling that would reflect that. Um, uh, there's a couple of different ways to do it. The most common way is just uh, the matchups. Joe Biden against Trump versus Warren against Trump. And that's like the worst polling you can do. Yeah. Right. Uh, It's like 52 to 46 instead of 50 to 48. Yeah. That means a lot. Like, no, it just doesn't mean a lot. And we don't know what the hell is going to happen between now and then. Um, But there's also been polls that I can't cite nearly as well, but um, uh, that have been talking about swing state voters approach towards things like Medicare for all and the perceived kind of um, leftward stomp of the Democratic Party. And they are freaked out by it at least a little bit in a, me- in a measurable way. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit of impeachment? Should we just happen all week, man. go there? Sure. Um, so what, we had, day. we've had two Michael, days. Michael hosts the impeachment show. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So Michael, I, I, tell me if I'm getting any of the facts wrong. We've had two days of hearings. I just read a teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ron. Where's the bar? Um, so we've had two days of hearings, Michael, if you yes. didn't know. Uh, the first day we had a couple I was, of I was at the first day. I got kicked, I got kicked out of the hearing room. Yeah. What? Yeah, you I, were the guy in the dress marching oh, around outside. I, 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 saw yeah, that. I was, I was, it was uh, on his way to Baltimore. So and they I, threw yeah. you out. No, it's unfair. I, I was swapping out with uh, another reporter in there who we had, and uh, I didn't have my congressional ID on me, uh-huh. and I got fucking swarmed. And to say in humiliated, like in front yeah. of everybody, I'm like, they're like, get out of here. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I see like Ben Jacobs. Yeah. <laughs> like people. Could and you like, like eye, con- eye contact with any like lawmakers or journalists? Uh, no one was going to help you in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was crazy up there because there were just cops. 
Yeah. Everywhere. And in those, and that was in the Longworth building and like all those buildings, you're not allowed to shoot in the hallways, but they, you know, they're not too harsh about it. But like mm-hmm. you lift the camera up there and everyone was like, cops were swarming. Man, in. the thing that people uh, don't realize until you go into those awful buildings, and I try really hard never to go into them. I hate them. The, the office buildings, yes, but not actual uh, yeah. Congress. Like you'll go up in the press gallery on the balcony mm-hmm. of, I think, mm-hmm. the house and you're like, all right, so I'm just going to just get my laptop. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Can't get the laptop. And, and the people who say no and enforcing the rules are journalists. Yes. Like they've got these rules from what, the 1830s? Yes. Um, that govern the use of technology there while C-SPAN is like broadcasting the speech that some a-hole is giving to three people and no one yeah. else is paying attention. But like we have to like – safeguard our technology it's crazy it's it it is and the interesting thing is to see so many um foreign journalists there that was what i thought was interesting is everywhere i went there was somebody doing a stand-up some some person doing a stand-up and i was just trying to identify the language you know because i mean you don't see that in those buildings very very much but it was it was pretty crazy it was it was packed there you know the second line was of uh the public uh, trying to get in. And so you have three kind of tiers of the public. You have most of them are congressional staffers mm-hmm. who are trying to get in. You can tell they're all staffers, you know, their IDs. Uh, but they have to be in the public line. And um, protesters, a lot of those, which the impeach Trump shirts on and they all sort of wear those. But yeah, you got to let them in. Just hope that they don't, uh, you know, distract from from the proceedings and uh, journalists trying to get into the public line too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it was just a weird kind of circus in which not a ton happened because, I mean, look, this is what we've seen so far is testimony that we've already read. Well, yes, testimony that had already been essentially taken in secret, yeah. or at least in in sort of these confidential hearings that have been happening for some, some time. In these the people skiff, were yeah. sort of hand-selected afterwards. The, the folks who were conducting the interrogations uh, all knew what the answers were likely to be to their questions. And for the most part, there was a great deal of sort of performance on both sides. Um, There were the Democrats who were in many cases asking very leading questions to get to precisely the answer that they expected or just a a simple yes or no in many instances. I love those questions. Do you think it's okay that somebody (laughs) like this, there's always those guys, I I saw. Do these like 35-year career foreign service guys? Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's acceptable and like, you know, bug eyes, Adam Schiff is like just, God, he's a weird looking dude. yeah, but that's that's, that's essentially. I think right. they yeah. kind of stepped up their procedural. The Republicans stepped up their procedural interruption game today. Today, I think they sure. were a lot less inclined to try to tangle with this particular witness because maybe they didn't want to seem as though they were they were getting into it. We and should say it that we're recording this on on Friday, and uh, today yes. was when former Ambassador Weird Al Yankovic was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was testifying, as opposed to Wednesday when it was uh, Taylor, That's right. Taylor and Taylor. Yeah. Although I did say there have been two days now. So the, the Taylor thing away. is like, you know, you know, that old thing, which I mean, I think it's probably apocryphal that everyone says about people who watched and listened to the 1960 debate between Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. Hmm. If you watched it, Kennedy won. If you listened to it, Nixon won. Is that apocryphal? I, I don't. Is. I think so. Huh. I think there's I, I think it's there's something like that, but it's not as clear cut as people think it is. OK, but um, it is like the presentation um, is a lot in Taylor's voice. 
was is so amazing. Yeah. He mm. has this like stentorian voice. He sounds like a radio announcer. Yeah, yeah. And there's something trustworthy about it. And that's mm-hmm. like why you have the Edward R. Murrow voice. And I was like, oh. But then when soothing. you saw him, you knew you couldn't trust him, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I was like, this guy's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, iron your shirt. Hashtag yeah. Never Trump. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Why? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Why? why <laughs> like, why are you wearing a Gin Blossoms t shirt to a hearing? <laughs> so weird. So I don't want to do too much of Camille the probably like, likes it detailed play <laughs> i mean uh, i don't want to do too much of a, a, a so sort of white. very <laughs> deliberate play-by-play um i think for the most part people know what the hell is going on here yeah. um the, the the democrats are doing everything possible to demonstrate that the president was in fact engaged in an explicit quid pro quo and if not explicit um, the president is also doing his damnedest to on. prove that too. Um, and the president has has <laughs> kind of helped to corroborate that so far as I'm concerned on many levels. Um, and the Republicans are doing everything they can to demonstrate that one, these people haven't haven't they haven't talked to the president. Some of them haven't met any of the people associated with the president. They don't have any direct knowledge of what happened here. They're all getting this secondhand. Um, and today, uh, who was it that said, Devin, like, why are you here? Devin, Devin Nunes, Nunes. Yeah, who yeah. says, why, why are, are you even here? here? Yeah. Why are yeah. we talking to you? Because yeah. you don't seem to know anything yeah. uh, completely related to, to the hearing itself. Which is incredibly disingenuous, by it, the way. It is deeply disingenuous. I, I mean, Although it, I think the, 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 the answer that Adam Schiff gave to that was, well, the president mentioned her in the transcript so that's, um, but he also he also mentioned dumb. he also mentioned the Bidens. So yeah. if you're going to give if you're going to yeah. use that defense, you may want to bring them in too. Well, I mean, but. if there is a concerted, there was a concerted campaign to besmirch her and get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Um, that plays into a lot of elements of the story, and yeah. I think that that's relevant. Um, and to say that you know it's a pretty simple game because this is for cameras. Mm-hmm. This is just the media thing. That is it. Is nothing more because I mean, when you're Devin Nunes and you're up there saying, did you meet him? Did you talk to the president? Were you on the call? Were you this? It's like, uh, okay, that really doesn't prove anything Mm -hmm. because what we're trying to establish here is what this woman who's incredibly qualified for this job and you can fire her. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But why she was fired in the weird campaign that was actually started by dodgy Ukrainians, right? right? These are Rudy Giuliani's sidekicks. Or maybe he is their sidekick. And that's the president's lawyer, mm-hmm. right? And we're talking about, and, and you know, he's the freelance uh, kind of f- Ukrainian foreign policy guy at the moment. So to say that it's not relevant and to say, like, did you, were you on the call? Did you meet this person? Did you talk to this person? You're, it's just, you're asking the wrong questions. And of course you are, because you're trying to get people on your side. And I guarantee you on Sean Hannity's show tonight, that's going to, that clip's going to play 40 times over. Like this woman doesn't even, she doesn't know anything. It's like, but yeah, but that, that's not what we're after here. You know, we're after to, to figure out what, why this woman lost her job. And I get why you would lose the job, but you, do you have to have the job? I mean, the, the call with Zelensky and him and, and Trump saying, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to make things hard for her and she's horrible mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. disaster and the rest of it. I mean, that's not okay, particularly because there's no evidence of that. And, and particularly because Trump is very good at establishing these, these things. What? Fisher's, Fisher's that computer. Me? Oh no, that was me. That was your, your phone. That I mean, your watch. watch. The fuck is this? How did that? Does <laughs> it react to when I said? <laughs> did it go into? Yeah. Fisher- I thought I saw no, you tapping your computer. No, but it just, sounded was, like it was, was Fisher's computer. Yeah, see, you thought it was you too. I was I'm not going to apologize for that. Yeah, I can't be forced to apologize. You thought it was you. <laughs> I love a little coach, coach switching there. I'm going to apologize. What a man have to apologize for? 
the, the sound was coming from this direction. Yeah. Why so the I'm, fuck? Yeah. What, I don't know. I think, I, no, I think when I say, I think when I say Devin Nunes, it just, <laughs> all sorts of ass open. That's your safe word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael, it is okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I Come say, back to us, Michael. I don't know who uh, who set that up, but when uh, oh I God. say Devin Nunes, grinder opens on my watch. <laughs> wow. Weird. Didn't know that. That not yeah. that there's anything wrong nothing, with that. Nothing. I went, nothing wrong <laughs> nothing. with Grinder. I was like actually the president was using Grinder. That might be interesting, but it would be yeah. Fine. That would be it interesting. Is not impeachable behavior. No, unless he lies about it under oath. Who's I want to re-fashion uh, <laughs> the word triggered because I was actually triggered in the way that the word should mean something, which is that you load a weapon and you want to like like squeeze yeah. it off uh, by the first episode of uh, that impeachment show on Viceland. Um, uh, when the two of you, Michael and Camille, were talking and, uh, and, and Moynihan makes the point. Uh, There's talk- some, someone else there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amy uh, Holmes. Uh, and uh, and but like, you know, come on. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, I'm just talking about the, the, come on, like the, represent the two of you being uh, on television. I and you're talking, talking about the, the I film. You, brother. Um, so um, where Michael pointed out, uh, uh, pointing at Rand Paul and w- whatever garbage face uh, Kennedy from Louisiana. That, that, they're, <laughs> that guy, he's amazing. They're, they're doing Trump impressions. They're doing Trump impressions. Yeah, they talking like this. So like this is in my brain. As I sit down and watch the opening of the impeachment, I didn't watch uh, today's uh, Weird Al uh, show, but I watched the uh, Ambassador <laughs> Taylor and and, uh, and uh, Jeff Kent uh, bit from the uh, from Jeff, the Wednesday yeah. show, uh, and uh, <laughs> and so you're sitting there, and Adam Schiff, who has acted over the last two or three years in clownish ways, yes. often, yes, uh-huh. very often, including yes. all throughout the Mueller report, is like well. We're going to see this is the real treason coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, and then yeah. they like never happened. Yeah, so he was yeah. always over promising. Yeah. He conducted himself at the beginning in his opening statements as good as one can expect from Adam Schiff. It wasn't terrible. I mean, be, be better. It was better I'd than better. what you expect. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it's hard to not focus on those bug out eyes, those, those baby <laughs> owl alien eyes that he has. Um, but yeah. so he sets it up. Being questioned by Peter Lorre. <laughs> <laughs> he sets it up and then it goes to the ranking minority member. And uh, in the first paragraph, he's talking about the fake news. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. the Russian hoax. Yeah. He's just like, like he's getting to the dossier, like in paragraph two. It's like a he, soundboard. He's just, yeah, yeah. The buttons, yeah. he's just going off. And I went back and, and, like, <laughs> and but he, it's like the vocabulary is cut and pasted from Donald Trump. Yes. And I went back and some of this was prompted by other people making comparisons. Uh, Howard Mortman, the great uh, C-SPAN guy was always just like exhuming old clips from various impeachment things. But they went back to Howard Baker, right? Yeah, the ranking yeah. minority member of the Senate Select Watergate Committee, whose official name was somewhat different than that. Uh, but that's how it came to be known. Uh, and his opening remarks. And uh, I encourage everyone to go and like uh, read it or, or see it. His opening remarks were like, you know what? Um, our democracy is a bit under threat right now. And he even said this in a way of like maybe there's sort of a partisan kind of hunt going on. However, it is our job here as this committee to be seeking out the truth as much as we can possibly know it without knowing where it's going to lead us. We Mm -hmm. are not the judge and the jury or the executioner. We are actually a fact-finding body. And after that, we're going to figure out what those facts are and we'll present that 
one way or the other. Uh, and we're doing this because that's the constitutional duty of the legislative branch. And hopefully maybe in the process, we might even become begin to think that the Watergate uh, hearings will uh, lead to people feeling like a, a revitalization of American political institutions. Right. It's a very good speech about facts and also about uh, the impartial seek for those facts. And he, and you you feel the partisan pressure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Richard Nixon was a Republican. This is the Republican uh, minority guy. But he's also trying to reassure people the institutions are functioning and we're going to take this seriously. And these are the lines and I'm going to define them about how you're going to take them seriously. Devin Nunes within 30 words was like, <laughs> I'm going to be a garbage clown. But the context, what one, I mean, we're a soiled blue dress and a few years removed from that hearing. But two, the context here is a bit different because as was mentioned earlier, like the Democrats know precisely what responses they're going to get from these folks who they're asking these questions of. And the the goal here isn't sort of to to mine the facts and discover them. The goal here is to, is to explore the testimony and to extract whatever insight we already know is there, which has already been reported in the press, and to get it into the record. Well, one um, thing that's but, happened but, to the, that contradicts mm-hmm, that, uh-huh. uh, Camille, is that in the uh, the skiff part of this, the mm-hmm. Adam Skiff, uh, you know, secretive star chamber part of the uh, process. As I didn't was know referenced. Adam Skiff was actually a ref- No, I'm, I'm referring yeah. to the, the secure the room, conference the skiff room. room. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and trying to make bad, jo- bad mm-hmm. jokes. But because... Uh, and and I you know I share the criticism of people who are like hey look this isn't happening in public view this is bad and they're, the response of of House Democrats uh, on the committee were like we need to get people who can't line up their testimony with one another and that already that process and that justification it's for that process sure. has already produced revised testimony among yes, people that's true which yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it goes against your your the, uh, sort of thesis. That we're not going to hear anything new. No, the process did unearth new things. And I guess it was Taylor who also, for the first time in his statement, suggested that he had also heard, overheard a phone call with one of – or his someone who works for him, I, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, overheard a phone call in which it was – I guess it was Sondland who – was talking loudly to talking the on an unsecured phone with the, the president. president was talking in, yeah. loudly on sure. the other end and they yeah. overheard the president say something at which, which point someone now been corroborated asked, by a second source who oh, was at the right? table yeah that happened yeah. tonight um yeah so uh, i mean those things suggest to me that there are there are actual other mm-hmm. like matters of fact that are there i don't disagree that the absolute majority of this and also the where the the place where this is going to be ultimately adjudicated is like in a show type of atmosphere. Yeah. Of course it is because this is going to be a political judgment and we already know in advance where the house is going to come out in it. But in the process, even like today with uh, the ambassador, the president was tweeting nonsense at her while yeah. she was testifying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that it's witness intimidation. I've seen, that was, you know, yeah. intimidating. It's pretty much par for the course. It's par for the course. I mean, I, I, expect I, that. I would be nervous and, if he wasn't tweeting. Yeah. And she said, you know, I feel intimidated. It's like, come on, you don't. Feel intimidated. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so the guy fired you, you know exactly who you're dealing with here. Um, and you know, he's, who's the, the reason she's there is that she's saying he made up stuff about me in the past. If he's making stuff about, about you now, par for the course, right? <laughs> so it, 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 interesting, though, to, to your point, though, is I think that Republicans have, have over-indexed this idea that that kind of language is really effective. 
I don't know if it is. I which, mean, which kind? Of the the, the fake news, the you know, just the, the talking points. Look, I mean, I, isn't it what you're hearing in the bar hunts? when you talk to people who actually like the president? Only when you're talking to people who are rock rib partisans and who have been listening to Rush Limbaugh since '92 or something. Does it work in that sense? I mean, yeah. There, I don't think they would be if it was 1975. They'd be watching Firing Line, yeah, and like quoting from William F. Buckley. I mean, they would have been reading in, instead a tabloid newspaper, yeah, or something, something to that effect. But yeah, I. I I think that it you have Republicans before that kind of language took hold. Look at partisan Republicans and the American people who were behind Republicans uh, and just the party in general during the Clinton impeachment. And it, language wasn't the same. It was very different. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, they it's effective. I'm not saying it isn't. But I think that, that you know, it's sad to, to look at because if you're a writer in any way, you it, it's it's depressing to see. The the disappearance of the great political speech. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't have any effect on, you know, spending. It doesn't have any effect on whether the president's committing, you know, treason or whatever the hell people are accusing him of today. It, but it just as as an observer of politics, if I were to make one of those Bartlett's great speeches books mm. from the Republican Party for the past three years, mm. it'd be a pretty blank book. Right. Because, I, you know, everyone, as, re- as you were saying, is that everyone's doing these bad Trump impressions, including, you know, as we pointed out on the show, Rand Paul and Rand Paul, I know, is is not a dummy at all. And I know it's like not even about his political shifts away from what things that his father would never shift away from because he was, you know, so ideologically libertarian. It's not even that. It's the language in which he's expressing them, which is just kind of disappointing because and, it's dumbing things down uh, for, 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 for I, I get why he's doing it. And is there a reason she, he shouldn't be doing it? No, not really. It's just that I just lament the fact that I like politicians that give great. I mean, even Howard Beale right, in network, is supposed to be mentally ill and riling up people in a Trump-like populist way. And the speeches written for him uh, in that in that film are great, right? They're, like, really hilariously inspiring and big. Like, I, I know it's a crazy comparison, but I just don't, like, when you see Devin Nunes come out there and do that, like, sputtering, drooling fake news stuff, if you're not on board with this, it's not only not convincing, it's convincing you kind of of the other side. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's hmm. it, it convinces me, oh, yeah, right. I don't want you got any, nothing. any of those doing. people close to being in power anymore. I don't want Jim Jordan. I want him to lose whatever election. I don't care who's running against him. I just want him to lose. He's, the way that he's acting makes me want to lose. And, and I don't lament speeches. I think the worst genre of, of political journalism or, or opinion journalism is, is the Thomas L. Friedman, like, I'm going to write the speech for you, or this is what you're, you're oh, yeah, not, yeah, please, no, yeah, I know, I know you weren't saying yeah. that, but like, Jesus Christ, generally yeah. speaking, I, and there's so many stupid movies, and some of them are even good movies, about how, like, this one speech was the thing that, yeah, like, sure, that never happens. It rarely happens. I uh, only mention Network because Howard Bill's crazy. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, yeah, I like the, cra- the sweaty, crazy guy speech. You Super can be crazy, sweaty, crazy Trump crazy. guys, just, just be smart about it. Um, but I think that it's still worth lamenting the adoption of these kind of oral memes, for lack of a better word, the witch hunt, which Rand Paul's been saying since 2017, uh-huh, uh-huh. the fake news and this kind of stuff. Because what do all of those boil down to at some level? They become a collectivist swipe against an entire group. Uh-huh. Think about someone who probably we've all been friendly with in the past at various, at various times, Molly Ziegler, Ziegler Hemingway, right? 
follow her on Twitter if you if you don't know who she is. She writes for the Federalist. She's become one of the president's most vociferous defenders. She wrote a book that I, I'm sure is actually pretty interesting about the uh, Brett Kavanaugh hearing. She was writing from a position that was very much against the way that the Democratic media or the media and the Democrats had, I think, uh, uh, in her uh, judgment, she was right. We're sort of smearing Brett Kavanaugh way, like just getting way out uh, in front of where the evidence was leading them. Um, however, Molly, uh, when she talks about um, uh, modern political discourse, will say in basically almost every tweet something along the lines of the Democrat media complex, you know, fill in the blank. Mm. It there then becomes an absolute collective general statement Mm -hmm. that implies that everyone in it, you know, or as as some people say, the corporate media fill in the blank. Everyone. So everyone in the corporate media is fill in the blank. Well, no, that's not how it works. That that is when I went through Bernie Sanders stuff from the 1980s um, in like when I was in Burlington. And went through the the Burlington Free Press and then went through all the the local um, cable access footage. 98% of it was about the media. The I mean, corporate media. It was so yeah. like it was. And then like he brought in a, there's a thing where he introduces Noam Chomsky, uh, like a thing. And, and this is like both sides do this. And it's like the media, the media, the media. But we've also talked about I I know that I have uh, on this very show the annoying how I'm annoyed by on the left, the, the, the sort of emergence of phrase politics in which you say something, you're like, well, that's white supremacy or that's white privilege. And uh-huh. they don't have to explain anything further. It's just <laughs> these two words. And you're like on your heels and trying to defend yourself. And that's why so many dumb people on Twitter gain a following. There's, and, and to be clear, there's a, there's a rise of stupidity on both sides. And that's the stupidity on the other side. It's just yeah. naming these things of like, well, that's white supremacy. That's patriarchy. That's this, that's the other. And it is the same instinct, right? You shut down arguments or you, you trigger something in your supporters' brains in that little erogenous zone for these types of words. And they start cheering, clapping and the rest of it. And it's, in, it's not a new thing at all, but it's, it's definitely on, uh, become more popular uh, in both media and with politicians these days to use phrases over everything. Look, politicians have always done it. Right. But when I see it in media context, the number of people that I see, it, particularly when it comes to that, like, you know, white privilege stuff and things like that, nobody's explaining beyond that. That's an argument ender. There's a lot of those things. And I think that on the Republicans have been doing a, a, a decent job. I lament it. I think it's terrible, but they're doing a decent job of inserting all of these things into the I, I, I swear to God, if you looked at Fox News in 2004, in which they were four square behind George W. Bush, who by 2004 was getting a lot of stick for, for you know, Iraq is already going poorly. Um, you know, by the time we get to like Harriet Myers, like, no, nobody likes the guy. Right. So they're on his side. And I guarantee you, you would see a very, very, very different tone than you are. You, you see on Fox News today, which is a lot more in line with fake news, Democrat media complex, blah, blah, blah. There was a, a couple of moments in the in the. Uh... Uh, opening day of the impeachment uh, trial that I found particularly heartening or bracing, maybe it's the better word, regarding precisely that. There was a question, I forget which congressperson uh, put it, but they quoted Rand Paul saying what President Trump is alleged to have done, and it seems pretty clear that he did it, is no different than what we always do with foreign aid. Like We condition it, you know, we we, we uh, get favors of there. Is that mm-hmm. in your uh, estimation, gentlemen, with your whatever 
decades of experience, true. And they both would have said hell no if they would have said hell no. Mm -hmm. Um, There were moments when the kind of facile whataboutism that you see here. There's good whataboutism. There's bad whataboutism. There's there's yes ands and there's yes buts. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of, in the Republican response to all of this, trying to make equivalencies between your whatever Hunter Biden uh, did, which is, you know, be a, a tool who made a lot of money for doing nothing because he had a famous last name um, and being a president who is pretty clearly trying to tweak the levers of diplomacy to dig up dirt on his political rival. Those are just two different things. You have mm-hmm. to have different language for them. And it's a bigger and broader and even the uglier language, depending on how you measure things, of what the Clinton Foundation did when Hillary Clinton was the secretary of state and Bill Clinton, the former president, was walking around the world getting uh-huh. shitty collecting Saudi bags. Uh, yeah. collecting bags, yeah. Uh, yeah, allowing yeah. people to launder their their deservedly bad reputations on the international mm-hmm. stage by giving money to their foundations to do, you know, to eradicate sure. something or other. But what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that, that that's great. Point it out and also, you know, point out that that things like that happen a lot and are always bad. Kathleen right. Brown, yeah, the yeah. sister of Jerry Brown. Look at how many corporate boards she was on. And I know her and like her as a person. Mm-hmm. Look at how many corporate boards she was on during Jerry Brown's various terms in office. Right. That, that's that's a how fun, it works. That's a fun game to play. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, however, that is there's a difference between I am a schlucky recipient of my family's good name. Mm-hmm. And I am someone who is a senior public official who is shaping or twisting policy to corrupt ends. Mm-hmm. Those are way different. This and, is, and, this and is to, definitely true. And yeah. to, and, and I think there's a lot of in the Republican kind of ever shifting defense, the sort of uh, the, the what abism, what about ism uh, whack-a-mole uh, uh, for lack of better words. Uh, there is, uh, you're always trying to say, well, it's just the same as, as it's always done. It's not. It's not. Well, can I? Can sometimes I... it's worse. Sometimes it's better. Yeah. Um, but like you have to create actual definitions of things yeah. in a useful way. And I think some of the questioning in the back and the forth uh, at the Wednesday hearing in particular showed uh, that some of these defenses are pretty weak. Well, to the broader point about whataboutism, it's not that there are two kinds of whataboutism, Matt. You've got to call the the first category of thing, the good whataboutism, something else. Drawing contrast to illustrate some broader point rather than for the purpose of obfuscation. These are just two categorically different things. We have to call them different things. And I think it's totally fair to to point to the obfuscators and to say that's whataboutism and it's bullshit. You're, you're trying to pretend that this doesn't matter because of this over here. They can both matter and they can both matter for different reasons. Even I appreciate if sort of that similar point, categories but, but that gets you in, stuff. In, a category, in, a, in a position of omniscience, of, of intent. But go on. I, right. I, I agree with some respects. Um, in some cases, you know. But Devin Nunes doesn't, doesn't yeah. require. But, but it is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder about the, the good argument that could be made by Republicans on behalf of the president. And so far as I can tell, there's still kind of only two categories of good argument that could be made. The first is, well, he's a dupe. And Rudy Giuliani like brought these two guys around and the president totally bought it hook, line and sinker. And when the president was asking for these investigations into the Bidens and into the election, it's because he really believes that this was bad. And somebody ought to do something about this. 
And should he have asked in that context for it? Probably not. But he's he's kind of dumb. And this is, it's a mistake. And we're sorry. And the other argument that you could make is, well, yeah, he shouldn't have done any of these things, but he didn't actually do anything wrong because he totally gave them the money, which is also a pretty bad argument because he wasn't smart enough to sort of pull off the scheme. And two, he only gave them the money like two days after the everyone found out that this was a problem. Yeah. He gave them the money anyways. He got caught um, on the security camera and he went back and put the thing around. <laughs> but, but I suppose on some level it is at this point fair to say that we still don't have the, the smoking gun, like the memorandum from Trump to Giuliani to Somlin saying, Hey, when you see him in person, tell him that if they want to get the meeting and the money, they got to do the thing. It depends on what you mean by smoking gun, because yeah. most criminal cases don't have a recording or a transcript. It's, yeah. You have witnesses. Yeah, yeah. And you have a lot of witnesses saying the exact same thing. Well, the, the witnesses seem to be saying this is this was understood to be the expectation. Yeah. This was understood to be the intention of the president and everything we know about the president. The oh, transactional yeah. nature of Donald Trump I'm like waiting is for that it to he be, wants be to exact something from sure. people in order to give them something. And it only makes sense in this particular case that that is what was happening because it seems pretty obvious. Uh, look, I mean, it, it, it's exactly what you say is what we know about the president, but it's also what you know about the president's team and the number of crooks and, you know, half wits and weirdos and like, you know, yeah. has-beens in D.C., that all of a sudden we're in the White like House. setting this up for Roger Stone. I well, he wasn't in the White House, though. <laughs> uh, he wasn't. Yeah. But he is going to spend the rest of his life in jail, it seems. Jeez. Really? Is that the- uh, I mean, seven 20, guys. He's facing, 20 years? He's facing 50. Is it 50 years? I think it's 50. Uh, all, all, all told. Because he, he was guilty on seven counts. Feels excessive. Uh, it feels excessive. But, I mean... Look, the, the thing about Roger Stone is that, you know, this is what happens to people. It's like I remember when, when uh, Trump, one of his first speeches when he, after he became president, went over to, you know, CIA headquarters in Langley. Or, yeah. And he was like these crooks and liars at the CIA and the rest of it. I was like, yeah, it's not a good, good idea. Do not piss off the intelligence community because they're going to make your life hard, which they have. Um, and you'll, I think when the, the history of this stuff is written, we'll see probably more in some particular areas. One hand's deep stating. I'm um, deep stating. <laughs> no, no. Just like, you know, it's not even deep state. It's like very, it's very surface state. It's like, don't screw with somebody cause they'll, uh, you know, they'll exact their revenge in some ways. If, they, if you say the intelligence community is out to get you and working in cahoots with X, Y, and Z, they might ultimately do that because you told them to. And you told them to by accusing them of that. You know what I mean? And this is, you know, with, with, with the Roger Stone stuff. This is what happens when you have all these people around you that are such bad people in so many ways. And Roger Stone is getting, I think, in some ways, a, a jury this is a jury, a nine women, three men jury where he is Roger Stone. And he thinks he's on the set of The Alex Jones Show every moment of his life. And when you go into a courtroom that way, guess what? Mm hmm. And you read those emails and the emails of like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking ruin you to a Randy Credico, some fucking C-list Randy comedian. Randy Credico stabbed me in the balls in yeah. Baltimore. I can't even believe it. Randy, what are you doing? Why are you texting me? Texting Julian Assange. 
that like that. How the fuck did he get involved? It's so weird. It's so I, I to remember all this stuff is so weird. But you know, when, when you hire all these like you know markdowns and low rent people, yeah, they end up you know making your life really difficult. And that's when people say, "What happened to Rudy Giuliani?" I think in a lot of ways, it's not that he's gone from America's mayor to the guy who seems to be his uh, Trump's hatchet man. Mm-hmm. It's because he seems dumber. You know, I mean, you look at the old footage of him like as, you know, D.A. And he's going after mobsters and stuff and he's making these very fluid cases on television um, when he's running uh, with his kid behind him. Which remember that? The, the, which, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Chris Farley was him. Um, like he's a smart guy. And then you see him on TV now. His like dentures are falling out and he's screaming and contradicting himself every two seconds. No, it never happened. Yeah, it did happen. Like, and you know, when, when you're losing, uh, to a Cuomo, who's like, what? Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> really? Like I just spun you up. Really? But yeah, it's like the, it's, this is, he's going to have the best people. He had the worst people. He had, uh, he had terrible people. I mean, you know, really were the worst we had a people. thing with uh, Steve Ben. This week with uh, Liz Landers, who's a reporter with us, a great, great reporter and great person. But it, the thing about, about uh, Bannon is like, I think there's a part of the interview, I think it aired, where he's like, he like fired you and called you like, and, and, and Bannon responds saying sloppy Steve, by the way. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you didn't fire me, I quit. Roger Stone said the same thing to me twice. They always get fired and they're like, no, no, because they're still defending the president and it's a humiliating experience, right? And he's like, no, no, I ate it, I quit. And then... He, we had some words and it was like later. And then he said he fired me and called me sloppy Steve or whatever. And it's like, uh, I don't know if that's the exact timeline, <laughs> but you know, these guys that, that are, are still Trump's defenders. I mean, something, Corey Lewandowski, something exceptional about like the president and his ability to keep these people on the hook. Like Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions, yeah. Who's still Today, on the in his Trump ad. In his ad. Did you add? He's like, there's he a video. He hated you. He hated you. He, he was like shitted a, on you he, he, for every day. Months. But in, in, even recently, he was like, it's like the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> it was like Marla Maples and Jeff Sessions. <laughs> I was like, man. Fucking kidding me? And then Stormy Day. Yeah, and then CIA. He's like, nah, that wasn't bad. It was worth it. I just paid her like a hundred grand. But it's like, like you know, these people like Michael Cohen. Oh my your lawyer. He's in jail. Giuliani might go to jail for Christ's sake. I mean, this is the 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 guy who prosecuted gangsters, becoming a gangster himself in so many ways. But look, I know there's some defense of Giuliani out there somewhere. But all of this is expected when you hire bad people. If you if you have, you know, 80 million dollars in like seed capital to start like, you know, a business making this app that everyone's excited about that came out of your brain, but hasn't been programmed. And you hire a bunch of like illiterate people from like the jobs, like a make work jobs program and they can't build the app. Right. It's like, can we blame the company? They just blew all the money. They didn't hire the good people. They don't know how to do any of this. And this is the thing that a couple of people in government who, and you see a lot of this conversation now because there's people that are, that are career diplomats in the State Department, holdovers, who are totally appalled. And they weren't appalled during the, the Bush administration because all you can say about these people, and there is something to this, and it, 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 it works both ways. You can say, look, Bush had people come in that was a second time as a secretary of defense, right? And that didn't work out too well. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Mm-hmm. But if you had, imagine if you had that and the chaos where no, no, no one's being appointed and there's like empty jobs everywhere and people just don't know how to function in government at all. And I remember uh, 
Er, Ernest Muniz, the former Secretary of Energy, um, I interviewed him once, and it was something we didn't use. And he said he actually defended Rick Perry. Because I said, it was right at the beginning. I said, Rick Perry didn't know that he was in charge of nukes. He thought it was just like light bulbs or something. And so, <laughs> so everybody was making fun of him. And he said, you know, the funny thing is that all of my counterparts said they haven't heard from anyone. Anyone who's coming in to fill their positions. And whereas Rick Perry, call, we talk all the time. And he's very curious. And, he's, and Rick Perry's, of course, caught up in, in, in this impeachment stuff, too. Mm -hmm. But it was like, and I believed him that it wasn't very common. They were like, all right, get out of here, Obama crooks. And uh, we're going to take over now. It's just there's a lot of stuff that seems to happen because they don't understand how government works in the most basic ways. And I don't mean how it should work, how it does work in sort of solidifying bad practices in government. I just like they just don't seem to understand from the from the top, from, from the top, especially. Yeah, there's a there's a, a, a thing that's already been uh, memory hold because it happened like three days ago. Uh, <laughs> but Nikki Haley's walking around embarrassing herself. Oh, uh, yeah. talking oh, about her God, book. so depressing. And um, well, the president never lied to me. Depressing to you, never Trump or neocons, mm. Mr. Moynihan. I'm not yeah, any of those things. Anyways, uh, uh, I mean, always Trump or paleocon. <laughs> <laughs> a paleo libertarian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but she talked about and was weirdly positioning herself to be the kind of defender of the president's honor about how, when she was still ambassador to the United Nations, um, then whatever the hell he was, John Kelly um, and uh, then Secretary of State Rex, Rex Tillerson yeah. came up to her and basically said, dude, we got to do something. The press is crazy. <laughs> 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 uh, paraphrasing, um, but not by too much. No, and she's like, too much. And, and she was like, no, I thought that was really inappropriate. And so she's walking around and kind of like taking a um, victory lap about how she has the real rectitude. And to Moynihan's point about the people who don't know what they're doing um, and also to the broader uh, kind of ongoing, well, it's the deep state coup uh, narrative. And there's people who I respect um, still um, who will say this kind of thing. Um, Rex Tillerson is not your boy. Rex Tillerson is not the deep state. It's an oil company executive who's probably the least qualified secretary of state in the last 75 years? Possibly. Right? I had no idea what was going on. It came in. It seems now to be the most sensible person to ever work in the administration. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a, maybe so. It's a long list. Low bar, um, but maybe so. But that's the thing. It's not like every time there's someone who is new uh, and who's criticizing the president, um, either as someone who is like waving the flag, I am a president critic, or who's just answering questions. And in those uh, moments, are like that are immediately branded as never Trump as this and that. And, and, you know, some kind of angry Democrat uh, or whatever, or deep state Rex Tillerson doesn't really fit any of those bills. Right. Um, it's, you have to put yourself into contortions, I think, or just like you have to be limber uh, in order to constantly mold your theory of the case so that the various people who again and again and again across different offices or whatever um, say that dude's a bit crazy. He's saying really weird and wrong things that we shouldn't be able to do by law and by the constitution in this country. Um, so let's take this action. And, and, and for, the, for the sake of my argument here, let's presume that their action is bad and wrong, which it very well might've been in this case with Tillerson um, and old uh, what's his face Kelly. Um, but like at some point, 
maybe, just maybe, all the people who encounter Trump, not just as president, but also in his business life, who have been saying for, I don't know, decades that he shivs people right and left, that he lies when he wakes up in the morning and pours whatever on his oatmeal, um, that he's an erratic person, that he's not smart, um, that he is always encouraging people to do things, break the law here. Well, you know, just, you know, just take the property. That's what he's doing the next two weeks. He's going to mm-hmm. take property in Texas from people, um, Republicans probably for the most part, It's in order to build a wall. He's doing all these things, break the law, I will pardon you. He pardoned three war criminals today. Yes. Just like as an aside. Yeah. Imagine that we were going to aside that as uh, Barack Obama. Maybe the people who encounter him and come to the conclusion that he's a little bit off and that's a problem, maybe they're onto something. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a, uh, like a more accurate theory of the case than there is a deep state conspiracy who just cannot tolerate that this man is speaking the truth about foreign policy or whatever the hell it because, is. Because when you're defending this stuff and people who defend it and, you know, we have, you know, some listeners that, that would probably disagree with the general thrust of, of Matt's argument and my argument, which are kind of similar. Um, I just don't know what they're defending at this point because it's not conservatism. There's nothing conservative about Donald Trump in any way. I mean, to say I am going to build a wall in, first of all, not do it and not pay attention to it, price tag. And by the way, it's not even necessarily a conservative position to be anti-immigration. You can say anti-illegal immigration. Sure, fine. We'll make those necessary distinctions. But as far as like spending worse than any president in modern history, as far as we can tell at this point, is that right? It's it's. It's it's massive either way. It's mm. insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no foreign entanglements, not a ton to get too involved in. But there are American troops in Syria. We've had, you know, a, a missile attack on Syria. We have done incredibly horrible things to allies, Kurds in particular, who conservatives always loved. And remember, in the debates, it was always the Kurds, the Kurds, the Kurds. And I joked at the time and will continue. It's like, how many Kurds do they think there are? Because it's like anything can happen. It's like this. We have a problem with the South African. Go, like, oh, just send some Kurds. Like they're not. They're people. There's like a little limited number of them. That I mean, I mean, and also to to Matt's point about about war criminals, who by the way are denounced by people in their own units. So it's not something that uh, you know Donald Trump is like. He is, is so blockheaded that like I'm defending the military. That's what I do is defend the military. It's like no, no, no. People in the military don't defend people in the military who are like that because it besmirches the name of the military. Uh, you know, so it's incredible to me to to find what is the nugget of conservatism. What is the conservative uh, policy point in Ukraine? What's conservative? What, what, what would be a Republican thing that he's trying to do here? I don't quite know. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what, you know, oh, he's trying to knock Joe Biden down. Well, he's trying to do it on a conspiracy theory that does not exist. So even if we play this out, and nobody does play this out, even if we play this out and said, you know, Burisma will try something with Burisma because it's Hunter. But he's also talking about this bizarro 4chan conspiracy theory, basically, about Democratic servers and, you know, what was it, CrowdStrike That's and all right, that. Yeah. You know, it's completely made up. I mean, it's Pizzagate made up. 
There's not even a thread of this anywhere. No one has, and no one defends it. No one will be on, you know, Sean Hannity's show saying, there is this bit of evidence, one document, and they'd put it on the screen all the time. You'd know every syllable. Mm -hmm. You'd know the fucking typeface of the document if this one existed. But none does exist. Before it uh, escapes my brain, but you were talking about watching foreign correspondents on Capitol Hill. You need to go there and do the Latka thing. So, like, do a stand-up and just a totally made-up language and see, uh, like, how quickly you can, like, <laughs> get Thomas Massey to come yeah. over or whatever. He got the shit out of Trump. He said, but I'm not the Trump. I'm not going to go to Trump. I come to Mac Meadows. Hello, Mac Meadows. And like, what? What is this guy from? Where are you from? We got way deep in this because we were talking about Roger Stone, who was convicted today on these seven counts. Um, and Fuck you were correct. Uh, Moynihan is like 50, 50 years in prison is the maximum. Um, the witness tampering charge carries a maximum penalty of 20 years, yeah, which is where yeah, I got yeah, the 20 yeah. from. What about um, the lying to Congress charge? Uh, I don't know what that. Yeah, it, I think it would be. Would I mean, it's always interesting to look at the sentencing uh, guidelines because usually like 50 years mm-hmm. becomes four yeah. in a second. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just going to register sadness. I know. No, I was I was underscoring the same thing. It just seems this seems like a lot. I know that I don't want to sow sympathy for Roger Stone in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but somebody who's never had sympathy for another human being. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's too strong. But uh, but uh, he's someone who I've met and have dined with in in my life, and I don't want anyone that I've known who hasn't uh, done some horrifying act of aggression to go to jail. I just well, don't. This and is, I, and I don't want that for people who I don't know either. This is this is sort of a, a, a last gasp of the Mueller investigation in some respects. And it's interesting that here again, like the stuff he's getting in trouble for, it's not actual Russian collusion. Even the WikiLeaks um, back channel that he supposedly had, it's still to me when I look at the evidence, like none of it seems like a legitimate back channel. It was he was a joker, but he got himself sort of hemmed up because he was being dishonest and he was being a, a lunatic. He also, th- he also with the for, idiotic threatening of, oh God, of witnesses. Yeah. I mean, I, he also look, I mean, Roger Stone has been successful at this um, for a long time. And like Matt, I've spent some time with Roger. I just posted on Instagram an Instagram story of me drinking martinis with, with Roger, Roger Stone mm-hmm. and uh, my producer, uh, Alex. Uh, it was fun. It was a good, I mean, look, he's a lot of fun. And this is the thing. You can say this in a crowd of people and journalists in this city in particular. And I've done this, um, not with Roger Stone necessarily, but other people, similar people, and say, look, I like them. He's a good guy. I, I, you know, not my, not my kind of dude. And everything he stands for, I'm not for in a lot of ways. But um, I enjoy hanging out with him. I enjoyed the – I've interviewed him multiple times. I've hung out with him multiple times. And, yeah, do you want to see someone like that go to jail? It's like, well – there's a couple of ways of looking at it. I, I agree with both of you. And the other thing is that Roger Stone knew exactly what was at stake and he decided to do it anyway. That's true. And that's mm-hmm. the problem is that, you know, he thought and he thought he was invincible and he might be invincible still because, you know, the president might pardon him. And if the president pardons him, that would be a pretty impressive feat uh, because I don't know how well that would go for him. Um, for, for the president? Yes. I don't think that most people that are rock rib supporters of Trump would necessarily say that a man who got, let's pretend he got 30 years or something, 20 years, if he got 20 years, even if he got 10 years pardoning somebody, it's a little different than, than pardoning, you know, somebody who's has a conviction, for instance, 
and you're basically wiping that con- conviction with your pardon. And that's mm. happened a number of times. I mean, Obama had a lot of pardons too, um, which I was actually one of the things at the end of his presidency I was I was quite supportive of because that you know he was pardoning a lot of people that were in in, in prison for drug crimes. Yeah, um, and that was a pretty good thing that he did on, on his way out. But yeah, I don't know how Republicans would react to that if he did. I mean, obviously, total speculation. Yeah. But, you know, Raj, if you watch the documentary on Netflix, which is great, it's really good, called Get Me Roger Stone. And I'm not, you know, it's a sympathetic portrait in some way in the fact that, it, you know, insofar as that, like, he's an amusing guy. Uh, but the thing about Roger is he's also a crazy person. And I mean that in a totally honest way. He's a crazy person in the sense that, like, you know, the first time I interviewed him was at a birthday party for Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I, remember. I remember. Yeah. He was like and he spoke. He spoke after. And uh, it was him. The only people I recognized there was uh, the guy who uh, replaced Art Bell. George Nori uh, and Oliver Stone's son, who I believe has a show on like press TV or something in a run. But uh, that was the three people I recognize. And he told me at the end of that evening um, something pretty interesting because it was in October uh, 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, he basically was threatening the Trump administration. I mean, Trump, because there was no administration. And he thought they were going to lose. It's pretty clear. And he was like, you know, I signed an NDA. But my lawyers looked at it and the NDA was signed with a organization in the Trump universe that is does not apply to my work on the Trump campaign. So nod, wink, wink. When he loses, I'm going to I'm going to spill the beans because, you know, Trump had already he already fired him at that point. Right. And uh, so he like he just assumed. And then I was like, wow, that's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, you know, he's always a gangster in that way. He's always sort of threatening people, much like Trump. That's why I get along. And right after that, he told me he's got a new book coming out. He's writing a new book, which he never actually published because he was too busy writing uh, uh, Hillary Clinton in the war on like rape or something. I, I was like a Juanita Broderick type book. And he wrote all these. And then he wrote a book about Trump and about the Trump campaign, about Trump winning. Um, but he he didn't publish his book that he was writing about <laughs> about how Hillary Clinton murdered John F. Kennedy Jr. Mm. Um, and I was like, Roger, this is crazy. And he's like, he's like, no, you don't know. I know. He's like, look at you dismissing this stuff. He was like mad at me. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, this guy, there was a, go look at the weather that day. There was it was clear skies. This is the, the fog. That's a lie. That's a total lie. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he believes this stuff. And he's so into those like fetid fever swamps that like it's tough to remember that the stuff that these people believe is insane. Like he's an he was an Alex Jones fill in host. And that used to mean that you probably would never get close to electoral politics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was those are the good old days. One of the reasons why we used to hang out with with uh, with Roger Stone back in the day is like. He was hanging out with like Madams in New mm-hmm. York, Elliot Spitzer's. Uh, and he always had that favorite line, his famous line, right? I'm the only person who got kicked out of D.C. for fucking my own wife. <laughs> Remember, because he was a swinger. Yeah. He got that swinger kind of thing. And yeah, he Matt Labash kind of resuscitated him in a way by doing a piece, a great piece uh, for the Weekly Standard, probably in 2006 or seven or eight or something around then about about Roger Stone. But yeah, he was kind of in the wilderness at, the, at that point. So we should 
get out of here in not too long, but I, I wonder if there's anything else that we ought to talk about. There are some other interesting things percolating. Folks whose emails were obtained. Uh, folks who, oh uh, yeah, Stephen Miller, Stephen Miller, yeah, um, president's immigration guy. Um, but also um, some pieces that were written, some rather long-ish pieces about the union falling apart. I guess the Atlantic cover story this month is all about that. And there were a number of essays there that are of interest. Uh, Matt, I know you sent another essay from a different publication with a similar sort of theme um, about the sort of unraveling. Yeah, of yes. The no, I just I, like, if, if nothing else, I would recommend it uh, to people to mm-hmm. read it. It's by Jonathan Rauch over at National Affairs and um, – it's called something along the lines of rethinking polarization. And I had uh, referenced uh, before how people in my business and our business are doing themselves and their readers and listeners and viewers a disservice if they're not taking the opportunity of 2015 and 16 to rethink their basic assumptions about like how shit works uh, in, in American politics um, and then how their own work uh, affects that. And I've been disappointed by the general approach uh, by the journalism establishment um, to that question. I think a way too much of it has gone into sort of policing, you know, which adjectives the New York Times Twitter account uses to describe something that Trump just said. I mean, a ton of energy has been flowing to that project for a long time. And it's just pretty weird. You know, it's like, let's let's start from our the institutions that we've decided are ours with a capital O and uh, and like police the way that they talk about things and demand that they call a lie a lie every time this kind of stuff. That's not that's OK. All right. I, I get where you're we're coming from that. But that's not the only task that um, this world uh, and the shock that has been applied to what we thought how thought things work. Um, that's not the only way to look at it. And so Jonathan Rauch, um, this is derived from a speech that he gave, uh, earlier of this year. And he's basically making the argument. You don't have to agree with it at all. Um, that, uh, previous studies of polarization are kind of wrong because they're uh, focused on ideology. And that, um, if you look at the last 15 years, there is a polarization for polarization's sake. There is the, what is uh, commonly referred to as negative uh, polarization, just sort of people want to identify um, against the enemy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even your own tribe's weakness and lack of fidelity to whatever you originally signed up for is part of that. That makes that stronger. Like it makes it makes the, the necessity to fight against, um, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton as the flight 93 uh, uh, metaphor or. Democrats are doing that now with Trump. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really interesting to read. I read it this week. Um, uh, George Will, I think, had mentioned it in a column a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's probably been out there for a little while. Um, but I read it this week in the context of the impeachment hearings. And oh, my God, it was a much better way, a frame to kind of like inject into yourself as you're watching the way that people conduct themselves with impeachment hearings, especially, you know, when people – unearth the clips of what Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and other people were saying in 1998, and not just mm. them mm. on that side, but like move on.org. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> That's what it <laughs> meant. Oh my Impeach God. and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That was the whole point of the, of the, uh, 
of the organization, the organization yeah. uh, back then was to do that. And so it is a, a gallant attempt. I disagree with some bits, especially towards the end. He sort of says that we have to rehabilitate and, and re-strengthen the Democratic the and Republican parties. Yeah. yeah, I'm not there with you, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. However, he is taking his role as a journalist and a public thinker super seriously and just doing a, a serious bit of work. Recommend everyone read it. He's uh, a very, very smart guy. Yeah. And, and you know, we've talked about his book a, mo- a million times uh, on the show, the free speech book. Kind of the Quitter is a great book. Um, but I just imagine what it would be like to get back to the time when we talked about policy. I don't remember talking about I don't remember talking about the ins and outs of any sort of policy disagreement, whether it's, you know, health care or some, you know, military, some some foreign policy weirdness that people are debating. Mm. We talk about impeachment and the silliness of people in particular parties. And, you know, it's important in some ways, but it's also exhausting in the sense that, you know, if you spent 10 years of your career, like arguing the minutia of politics and like, you know, you, Matt, at, at, at Reason, like a libertarian magazine, which is basically dedicated to talking about policy. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing's a policy. It's like a culture magazine. You have a lot of great culture stuff, but it's a policy thing. And it's exhausting in some ways that, you know, I mean, r- remember we had this net neutrality conversation with Ajit Pai at the beginning. Like, yeah. whatever happened to that? Yeah. Are we, is anyone talking about that anymore? Is but anyone even, talking even about we're all, any of We're all dead. But we're even, all dead? even the way that debate happened. For the for the most part, I mean the the conversation about the philosophy and the policy details. I mean it happens here, but for the most it part, does. there are slogans in the in the mainstream conversation uh, about these issues. Yeah, and what we were talking about before is like we're we're in this era of slogan politics, and whether it's like the social justice stuff or the Trump stuff, it's mm-hmm. a very it's as we we're saying it's a very similar instinct, and it's just I just find it deeply depressing just because I, I find life. A lot more boring yeah. when you don't have when you have arguments about you know whether or not you know which member of Trump's cabinet is a scumbag and who's anonymous and who's leaking. Anonymous book, by the way, flopped, didn't it? Didn't really go anywhere. I don't know. It, it, that yeah, must have I mean, come out, right? I mean, it, you can't write a book when Trump Jr. is writing a book. I mean, I think oh, triggered, <laughs> triggered is just yeah. the number one selling book. In the I want to thank the Trumps right for, now. again, taking another word that I can't use anymore, <laughs> which is like political correctness, no more, you know, triggered. Um, um, can I say one thing before we go? Do it. Yeah. Say two Do you remember things. a couple weeks ago, probably three or four weeks ago, I was um, getting bread this is a great story. It's a uh-huh. good start. Uh-huh. The editor's like, that's a good start. I like that. Yeah. You're talking about the bread. Yeah. Going with the bread. Uh-huh. So I'm getting, I'm getting bread. And uh, some guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, like, love the fifth column and starts talking. Great. Oh, yeah. And it, it just the nicest guy in the world. And he's like, my brothers, we all listen to the fifth column. Uh-huh. And of course, when I find out his name, it's just a dirty mick like the rest of them because he's like nine brothers it's like those guys that were killed on the destroyer during world war ii what was uh, it, the, fri- the fighting mcginley's or something the fitzgerald's brothers uh, so i i want to just mention this because um because they're great the, the guys are great we emailed and and just absolutely lovely guys um and they have this thing uh, a food company it's called it was called brave do you remember that it's called brave it's eatbrave.co mm-hmm. i think it's some it's sort of sort of breakfast thing and so they said they were going to send us some. And I just want to say that um, uh, Alex Fitzgerald, I mean, I'm not the name of your company. I don't, you're not going to mind that I say your name. I just want to say that uh, it was a great line. And this is how you know somebody's a great dedicated fifth column listener. He said, um, 
you know, he's going to send us some of this product. And he said, I think Camille is off the Adderall and interested in food again. <laughs> the, but, just in, but just in case, yeah. we'll send some Angel's Envy as well. As, as well. So yeah, thank envy. you. Yeah, so... so I'm, I'm going to uh, get some more Adderall. Yeah, I, I, oh, I know. I saw you back on that I'm stuff. I'm getting back on this stuff. Yeah, what's God, up? That's great. You all cracked out of the street. I forgot how great it is. You're like fucking Rick James all of a sudden. <laughs> cracked out. So it's eatbrave.co. We don't do advertisements of the show. We've gotten not... A penny, and they haven't sent us anything because I've neglected to send the address. Yeah, but they were so it was so nice that um, that I thought I'd give them a shout out, and it's a, it's a, it's a number of weeks late. So anyway, there's oh, that. Oh, you're just reminding them? Yeah. Well, no, it's just like I felt bad, yeah. and I remembered it today uh, when I was not eating breakfast God, and instead eating super Adderall. Out of my head now. <laughs> um, it's not the best song in that record. Street Songs is a great record, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a good record. Hmm. Has the best gatefold ever. It's Rick James getting arrested. Hmm. Appropriate, but yeah, yeah. Oh, so should we talk about the, the Patreon? Oh, uh, we should. Yeah. Yeah. So one hand, is you, at long last. Yeah. yeah we're going to, yes. At the moment that we're posting this, the Patreon is live. And you yes. Can go, no. You can go there. Why the fuck and didn't we go there with this? Do we have betting markets on this? You, because yeah. there are people who are listening to the end and the people who listen to the end. They're the ones who are actually going to pay us. Like, and they're definitely going to go. You got to defray the cost. Because guess what? As of right now, this very moment, there are several episodes that you can gain access to via the Patreon. So the first thing that we'll say is this, there will be a staggered kind of thing in which in which you can get the episode if you're a cheap fucker and you don't give us any money eventually but with the well, first some, one, some of them some, some of them of are them. patreon some exclusive. of them are patreon so exclusive patreon exclusive yes and then there's an early release yes and you can give the details on that. and i'll give the details of the first early release which i um edited uh uh today just to put an intro on is uh my talk from a week and a half two weeks ago uh, this this impeachment show has made my life a little difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, the second I finished today, I, I, I did it uh, with uh, Errol Morris, mm-hmm. the great uh, documentarian and probably the greatest living American documentarian, him and Ken Burns, um, who made The Thin Blue Line, uh, Known Unknowns or Unknown Knowns, the Donald Rumsfeld one, and The Fog of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and The Fog of War inspired uh, one Steve Bannon, which he talks about in the Errol Morris documentary and in which I talked to him about and mm-hmm. what he feels and how he feels. Cause Errol Morris is a very liberal man. American Dharma. Is American name. Dharma is the name of the film. Uh, it's out now. And he also will, you can, you know, if you subscribe, uh, you will get access to this. Uh, as soon as this goes up, it'll be there. And you'll hear him uh, talking about why he shot this film in 2018. And it's coming out in October, November, 2019. It's a long, long thing, particularly when you're doing something about somebody who's involved currently in the political process, mm-hmm. uh, not Robert Mac- McNamara. The, a year between there, his you know, recollections in Vietnam are going to be pretty much the same, right? right? Maybe slightly more senile a year later. But, but um, there's a great, interesting discussion of that. And Errol's a very prickly interviewer, uh, uh, interviewee, and um, I loved it. And uh, he was a lot of fun. And there's a two times when he was yelling very, very so high that I had to like kill the audio a little bit in the in the mix because <laughs> it was really just like he was redlining everything. But so you get that, and I think um, I'm doing this off the top of my head, people. So so forgive me. Uh, there's di- there's different tiers as you have, so like five dollars for you cheapos, 
Um, come on, as Sally Struthers once said, price of a cup of coffee in New York is actually six bucks. So yeah, do yeah. that. Take, take, you shouldn't get, even do that. You could do better. Yeah, get, get, get rid of the matcha. Give it to us. Why are you hurts. drinking matcha? It's just a green, it's like fucking grass and water. Stop it. Give it to us. $10. Can, uh, can, I, can I ask, because there are, there are yeah. some imitators out there, where's the picture? Oh, well, I was going to get to that too. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not the, it's not the fifth column because there's uh, frauds and imitators. And if you've given them money, ask for it back. Because we are at We the Fifth, as is our Twitter handle, and as is a lot of other stuff. Because the frauds and the and the uh, losers He's strong. I'm, oh, no, I'm trying to be yeah, Trump. I mean, I'm doing the Trump impression. Yeah, there. yeah. Like that it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't matter if their publication existed already. And <laughs> they don't have a publication. Yeah, exactly. They don't have like no yeah. one's like because they're the fake news. They're not doing anything. Yeah. You ever heard anything from those guys? That's right. Nope. <laughs> no. Never heard of them. Have you heard of them, Camille? No. Nope. Absolutely not. It was only people who were like, hey, is this your Patreon? Like, don't, don't fucking give them money. <laughs> Cut that shit out. So it is uh, uh, t- uh, $10 is the next tier. And then we, do, we, then we just like really just for you people who yeah. love us. Yeah. A lot of copy. Yeah. Oh, my God. You love yeah, us so yeah. much. <laughs> then we are 25. And yeah. then we have a very exclusive. Right. Very exclusive. Yeah, this is the one and where Matt, you get the, the tantric massage from Matt Welch. Yeah, well, Matt named yeah. it in the back of his. Matt car. named this tier because you have to give these tier names. Mm-hmm. And I originally had you know various um, positions in the politics, <laughs> like you know minister without portfolio. Matt named this the fifty dollar level. He named it Never Fly Coach. That's so right. that one yep. is, um, and the things God that you damn. get with that are. Disgusting. Oh my god. The things that you get will offend you. It's true. And it will get Anthony Fisher me tooed. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of stuff that's gonna happen. Again? Well, people have been Again, asking, I people have been asking for swag for a while. I think it's it's appropriate to wait for we'll this. Get there. And it's appropriate for we'll there to be there. exclusive swag for, for those people. Um, Trust me, we're gonna we're gonna hook is, you up is, if you're uh, if you're above the ten dollar level. Yeah. I'm going to hook you up, <laughs> hook it up. And then like, you can suggest show topics. You can do whatever. Yeah. You just email me, come live in my apartment, <laughs> take care of my daughter. She's not very nice. You can actually do construction work on Camille's house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you're talking yeah. About. yeah. You'll find <laughs> out that there is a house. I could use you a home visit nurse. So that's fine. But we yeah. actually had this conversation because this is like new to us. And we've been doing this for a long time uh, in a studio in Midtown, which we pay for. And we, we. yeah, uh, we do. We yeah. do. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Camille does. Um, so, you know, it's defraying those costs. And, and, and like Starbucks, when you go and you get a job at Starbucks, you don't get the health insurance right away. You got to work there for six months. So you get up in that tier. You're there for a little bit. Oh, you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be so oh, great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Disgusting things Camille's yeah. going to send Just you. the best. Yeah. Like, like the best people. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, oh, best, uh, the best swag. I, I was about to say things and I just stopped myself. Yeah. I'm going to stop myself. What's so, up with George Will's eye? I don't know. I don't know why. He'll tell Camille, you if you're a $10 Camille's month. Like, <laughs> Camille's like doing, oh, the best stuff. And he's like focusing on a George Will photo. Yeah. No, that's about that's, that's why that's, that's why the people pay. George Will photo attached to a, a, Matt, a Matt Welch uh, write-up. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, give us your money because we've given you a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and and it's very Matt has lupus and he's here. That's yeah. true. No, I'm, I'm post lupus. Well, he had lupus. Yes, exactly. He's been miraculously healed. Who's going to pay for the for the uh, getting those that T cell count up? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well we should get out of here. Right. The Young Pope is actually a surprisingly good show. What a non sequitur that was. I just want to say that show's been around for a while. No? It yeah. is, but there's going to be a new season. Mm. Yeah. With I, John Malkovich. I want exciting stuff. Yeah, and I want people to and Jude Law. 
Oh, he's the, he's the one that's the pope. Both of them are in it. Yeah, he's the hot There's pope. There's two popes. <laughs> yeah. What's up, hot pope? There's two popes in real life, too. Exactly, the black pope. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You don't know about that? No. I'm going to tell you about it off the air. Oh, um, no. I heard about it at a Revelation seminar. If you subscribe yeah. at a dollar a month, <laughs> you will get the Black Pope information. Yeah. Dollar a month, you get uh, Camille's apocalyptic ravings. Oh, uh, uh, the John Demianyuk, uh series on Netflix is good because the guy... The Israeli guy, you know, he's the guy that was accused of being Ivan Terrible, the Treblinka mm -hmm, concentration mm -hmm. camp guard. Uh, there's like a four or five part uh, uh, series. It's, it's very, very well done. And the guy <laughs> who uh, is his Israeli lawyer is the greatest character in yeah, the history of... Did you watch it? I did, yeah. It is good. unbelievable. Yeah. And I'll just put it this way. He has uh, Israeli flag cufflinks on because everyone hates him because he's defended John Tomyanyuk. And this is not funny, but he's... You've, I, this is a spoiler, but he's kind of blind because someone threw acid in his face. It is bananas. And this guy is Fiction, a banana. Fiction, nonfiction? Uh, no, it's a true, it's a true, it's a true story. story. And yeah. it is... Um, um, Demyanyuk was like living openly in like Ohio. In Cleveland, yeah. 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 And, and I wrote a column about him a long time ago, and he had a lot of defenders in the U.S., like Pat Buchanan, shockingly. And uh, the great thing that we kind of discovered, um, and, and you can tell from the name of a book about it, I think a guy from Yale... Who write, uh, Who wrote a book called the uh, uh, the Right Wrong Man? Because it turned out he was a concentration camp guard at a different camp. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a spoiler in the sense that, like, you see Lincoln. I'm going to tell you that Lincoln gets shot at the end. I mean, this is people know this. It's I mean, the, you kind of just spoiled it. No, it's not. I mean, people I mean, who know a spoiler. Like I, I watched and I didn't know where it was going, and uh, I would be a little sad if I knew now because I would, I was forcing myself. What were you thinking? Not you thinking Nazi Google or not Nazi? To Wikipedia and figure out. I didn't know. He's a Nazi. Now there were some watch. turns. That's yeah. Fine. Now you just keep spoiling it. Just double down. No, I'm just saying. Look yeah. at the guy. He looks, oh, like, he a, looks like a Nazi. By the way, the graphics <laughs> of the graphics at the beginning. Miller. The graphics yeah, at the beginning exactly. is a merging of a photo of his like SS ID card and his fat Nazi face now <laughs> or before he died, his fat Nazi face is not exist anymore and it's merging together. And you're like, Oh, it's the same dude. Yeah. It's not like, so right away you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. What kind of Nazi was he? Was he a super bad Nazi or was he an ultra bad Nazi? <laughs> and he just turned out to be a super bad Nazi. Yeah, super bad. Cause Ivan the terrible was the lowest of the low. And this is a pretty, there's a lot of men by lowest of the low. You mean like ultra yeah, uber, Nazi. ultra uber. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you, scumbag monster yeah, number one. Exactly. Doing, number doing stuff that is just yeah. really, uh, it's no, Frankie, hard to Frankie yeah. Tampanelli. Yeah, Frankie Tampanelli is a good guy. Just beat you in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. But watch that talk. It's good. Yeah. All right. We should get out of here. All right. All right. Bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack. Broken heart.